0: Hi everyone, welcome back to Arthritis at Home. I'm Cheryl Cohen. Uh, I am one of the team that leads arthritis consumer experts, and it is my pleasure uh, to be sitting here today with Ms. Maya Joshi. Uh, Maya has been our program coordinator at ACE um, for what the last two years now three years almost I think three and, a half, three and yeah. a half years and now she's all grown up and she's going to be finishing um, her degree we're so excited for you Maya congratulations um, Maya is with us here in her final well maybe not final arthritis at home interview um, but today is here to talk to us about um, the work she's been leading at ACE Uh, on our um, national survey on virtual care services for people living with arthritis. And specifically to look at um, some of the data that we've collected on inequities in virtual care services being provided. Super, super important work. You've led our work on uh, health inequities overall since um, last May. And have done a terrific job. So many people have written and commented Maya, on how much it's helped open their eyes, or have been grateful for the championing that we've been doing um, for everyone's right to have uh, equitable access to healthcare, whether it's in person or online. So we're going to talk a little bit about the data. Um, you're our data nerd for this topic, so we're going to we're going to pick your brain on on what we discovered. Um, and have you go into a little bit more detail. So so as I mentioned, over the last year, you've been dealing uh, uh, with this work on inequities in healthcare and our most recent effort to look at the aspect of virtual care. So first tell us why doing this work is so important in addressing existing and possible future inequities in the provision of arthritis-specific virtual care services. So, tell us the importance of these of this work, and also the the data that we've seen.
1: Yeah. So, virtual care is something that, as we know, has gotten increasingly popular uh, since the COVID nineteen pandemic started. Um, in fact, our survey results found that eighty eight percent of people with arthritis who took our survey um, have been accessing virtual care to see their healthcare providers since. March 2020. Um, And if the widespread provision of virtual care continues after the pandemic, which uh, right now that's what is expected to happen, there are some really exciting opportunities with that for the arthritis patient community. It um, really can help improve patients' access to arthritis specialists, especially if they're living somewhere outside of a big city. Um, It can save patients hours of commuting time and the transportation costs associated with that. Uh, But with that being said, not all people living with arthritis have the same experiences using virtual care or the same ability to access it. And right now, because we are at sort of this transitional phase where policy uh, policymakers and healthcare systems are trying to figure out how to best deliver virtual care this is the best time, and really the most important time to identify what health inequities exist in virtual care so that they can be addressed now. Because otherwise, yeah, they could continue um, for years and years without uh, being known where virtual care is just expanding and expanding, but certain patient groups are just falling through the cracks.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that highlights my, for us, this this old adage, uh, my old adage, is um, you don't see what you don't see, and mm-hmm. you don't say what you don't see, right? So if you can't see it in the data, if you can't ask people these important questions and get the data, look at it, then turn around and outface the data to the people that are making policy, you're not gonna. It, it'll be status status quo. You'll you'll just basically keep reinventing policy, whether it's for in-person healthcare services delivery or virtual healthcare services delivery that meets the people who can already access it. Um, Yeah, or benefit from it. Um, So I know that we had small numbers of Black, Indigenous and people of color respond to the survey. And that in and of itself is an important finding. So talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so, uh, so more specifically only 5.5% of our survey respondents identified as black indigenous or a person of color which we refer to that as BIPOC is the acronym. Um, And when it came to the French survey, uh, we had no BIPOC respondents. So we used our networks and channels within the arthritis patient community in order to promote this survey. So this major underrepresentation of BIPOC respondents suggests then that these networks in the arthritis patient community are excluding racial minorities. Um, and this is a major issue because it means that uh, BIPOC folks are not having their voices and concerns heard within the arthritis patient community. And it's particularly problematic because um, racial minorities, particularly Indigenous people in Canada, experience worse health outcomes with arthritis. So they have higher rates of the disease, um, more severe symptoms, higher rates of hospitalizations and complications, but less access to arthritis specialists. So if these voices aren't being represented within the patient community, then they're really being left behind and it's widening these gaps in between different patient
0: groups. Exactly. So Maya, even though we had a small number of respondents, we did have some data Um, uh, that reach statistical significance and it's important to share with our audience. Why don't you uh, review those uh, data for us now?
1: Definitely, yeah. So there was uh, several really interesting, really important findings. So, the first one was related to this one question that we asked our survey respondents. We asked them if any factors have made it difficult for them to use virtual care. And um, they could select multiple answers from a list of options. And this included access to the internet, cost of electronics, uh, the language that virtual care is offered in, so not having translation services. Um, I don't feel comfortable or know how to use the virtual care technology being used by my healthcare professional. Or lastly, I do not have any issues using virtual care services.
0: Yeah.
1: So what we found, um, and this is a highly statistically significant finding, was that patients who identified as Black, Indigenous, or a person of color were over three times more likely to report one of these difficulties using
0: virtual wow. care. Wow. Yeah. That's that's unbelievable.
1: It, it is. It's some um, really important data, and uh, just to sort of. Exp- explain it more specifically, this means that 12% of white respondents reported facing one of those issues compared to 46% of BIPOC respondents. So that is a really significant difference.
0: Yeah. So uh, important messages to send out when we're talking to policymakers, healthcare providers, they, they need to know this. This is a significant finding and a very important one when it comes to making um, decisions around future Um, the future provision of these types of services.
1: Definitely, and especially because, I think I sort of mentioned this earlier, that um, BIPOC patients, uh, specifically Indigenous people in Canada, because they are experiencing uh, higher disease severity, um, higher prevalence of arthritis, if even though virtual care um, has the possibility of offering better access, what the concern is is that these groups are the ones facing the most difficulties using it, it. can possibly widen inequalities where folks who already are in better disease positions are getting better access, but people who need it most are actually falling behind and
0: not getting right, that. Right, um, any Anything else in the data that struck you, Maya?
1: Yeah, so um, there's uh, two more things. So this one is... Um, we asked a question about timeliness of care. So we asked patients if they were able to receive arthritis-specific healthcare services at a time they felt they needed it since the start of the pandemic. And they could respond yes, no, or I was unable to get any, healthcare, any arthritis-specific healthcare services virtually since the start of the pandemic. So in general, timeliness was an issue because 32% of our respondents reported that they were unable to receive arthritis-specific virtual healthcare services. All
0: all respondents.
1: Of all respondents, yeah. yeah. Um, And then 5% of respondents reported that they weren't able to get any virtual healthcare services. But where this gets really interesting is that BIPOC respondents were more likely to be in that second group that got no access to healthcare services. So while timeliness is an issue for the patient community in general, getting any access to virtual care at all may be the bigger issue for BIPOC respondents.
0: Okay, wow. Um, you know, just alarm bells are going off in my head and I hope that they're going off in, in, in with our viewers as well. Um, and what was the third thing that you mentioned? There was another data point that really stood out
1: yeah absolutely so just before i address that the one i just spoke about really important but it is borderline statistically significant so we just want to mention that means we can't draw any firm conclusions but it's still important and more research should be done in the area
0: okay
1: and then lastly this is the last one it's about patient reported satisfaction so we asked patients if they were satisfied sharing their concerns and getting advice from healthcare providers through virtual care And we found that those who did not self-identify as BIPOC, so white respondents, were more likely to be very satisfied with their virtual care experiences than those who identified as BIPOC. So 30% of white respondents said they were very satisfied with their virtual care experiences and 0% of BIPOC respondents um,
0: selected. Wow, so 30% for white respondents is low anyway. Um, but zero for our BIPOC respondents is is abysmal um and a real and and a real alarm bell. And I think um, you know, clearly all the the, the data points you've just covered, they're all they intersect. Mm-hmm. Um because if you if you're not getting timely access, you're clearly not going to be satisfied. Um mm-hmm. if it's not being Uh, Offered in your language, uh, first language, it's you're not going to be satisfied and likely uh, less able to communicate with, you know, with the language that is being offered to you, and and therefore we're having timeliness issues. Um, I guess at the end of the day, um, Maya, you know, we have a, as you know, we have a large audience um, here at Arthritis at Home, and it includes healthcare providers, and I'm hoping policymakers too. Just you know tap your ruby slippers and tell us what uh you would like to see
1: um i think that the most important thing is to make sure that policy development is done in partnership with communities most impacted so in this case our survey shows that's black indigenous and people of color who are facing the biggest barriers and challenges related to virtual care use so in the um, policy to create widespread provision of virtual care, which we hope happens because it is really beneficial to a lot of people in the arthritis community, it needs to be done in a way that isn't leaving certain patients behind.
0: Right, so typically, as you know, governments, when they begin planning, if in fact they reach out at all, they would reach out to patient organizations. And those patient organizations, as you you know sort of explained, there's, we're not having, Uh, a huge participation from the BIPOC community. So there's an issue there. There is a real issue about how government and who government is tapping on the shoulder to come in and talk to them. So perhaps rather than tap, I mean, still ACE would like to be a part of those discussions, clearly because of our expertise in arthritis, but they should reach beyond health when they're looking at consultation. They should look at societies that represent immigrants, um uh indigenous uh, all of our uh, many many indigenous uh uh organizations um you know so think out of the box when you're thinking consultation i think is a real message we can send to policy makers
1: exactly and it's not and and to be clear that activism is being done there's so many people sure. within bipoc communities that are working so hard to advocate for themselves and their communities and so uh those organizations are out there doing the hard work. And it's important that uh, that policymakers connect with them in order to to support BIPOC people living with arthritis, because currently our organizations are not not doing that as well as we need to be doing. And I know ACE is really committed to improving that. And um, I think this is the first step of really acknowledging where we are at with this issue. And then, determining how to really meaningfully address it.
0: Yeah, Um, incredible work, uh, Maya. I I thank you very much for taking uh, all of this on, for being um, such an inspirational uh, leader of it, but also someone who who has, I think, well communicated you know the the knowledge that you've pulled together for us, and that the data analysis and articulating what it means um, uh, for our audience is has been really, really invaluable. So thank you so much um, and to our audience. We hope you enjoyed the program. Uh, at the end of this, you'll see links to both the Joint Health Insight. Uh, that looks specifically at the data in virtual care and inequity spacing um, uh, BIPOC communities. And uh, also you will see an infographic uh, link there. So uh, we hope that you'll enjoy uh, reading and reviewing those two pieces. And we ask you to share them uh, widely within your own personal networks, your work networks, share them with your colleagues. And also uh, don't be shy, share it uh, with your MLA or your MPP uh, because that at the end of the day is where the rubber hits the road. So thanks a lot, everyone. We appreciate you tuning in. Thanks, Maya. Thanks.